Hello, Hello yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Oh, hello, Jade. Are you here with us? <laughs> I haven't had four sips of my coffee, so bear with me. How are okay, you? Okay, everyone, we're giving Jade five seconds to just have a little coffee skull. It's 6.15 in the morning when we're filming this intro and I may have, um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Imagine if you died on air. Okay, I'm back. I'm sorry. I feel so sorry to anyone if this is their first time they've tuned into an, an oh, episode. Shit. That would be like, who are these absolute amateurs? Idiots. Okay, are I'm you back. right? No, thanks for caring now. Halfway through. Yeah, I'm fine. I was having a sip and then anyway. Then your lung down. had a sip too? Yeah, we've all had a sip. Good morning, Sophie. Good morning, Jade. Thank you for joining us. <sighs> Thank you. How are you? I am. Look, no, I'm not even going to do that. <laughs> you know how we all have to be, you know, we have to be really sensitive of other people's feelings right now. Don't be. But I'm just going to let myself celebrate and yeah. I want everyone to know that there's, of course, a disclaimer that I feel for everyone else. Yeah. But this old chook is 30 on Sunday. What? This episode will come out on Monday, Ooh. but I am going to be out of lockdown for my 30th. And high vibes, high, high vibes. So high and high fives to your high vibes. I am so excited. I can't believe you're 30. I honestly think you should have been 30 about 20 years ago. You were this, the youngest Look, I get told chicken. this all the time and everyone acts like they're like, oh, no, it's just because you've done so much. I'm like, <laughs> fuck off. It's my crow's feet. Don't give no, me this not. crap that you, nah. It's your actually, it's your persona. You're very uh, worldly. Boring. No. <laughs> You're very old. You've got the personality of a 55-year-old no, dude. No, I think it's actually something that you should be humbled by because you you know a lot and you seem like you've got your shit together. Not that that means anything when you're old. Smoke and mirrors, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, how exciting. I know. I'm re- really excited. And look, we can have like five people to oh. our house, so it's not, yeah. What, what I want to know, more importantly, is what outfit did you buy? You bought two. Okay, so I sent this will a, be on Monday, so no, everyone will know. Everyone will have already seen it. So I sent an SOS out to my beautiful Instagram community because it was looking more and more like I was going to be spending my 30th in lockdown. Look, I normally don't make a huge deal about my birthday, but I just wanted this birthday to be really special because it had gone from me being like, I'm going to have this bullshit party. It's going to be so fun. You know, everyone's going to, I just felt that by my birthday, everyone was going to be able to, you know, travel interstate and it was going to be maybe everyone's first hurrah back. And I was like, I just really want this to be a big birthday because next year we plan on having another baby. So I was like, very likely for my 31st birthday, I'll be pregnant. That's fine. Anyway, Obviously, I'm not having a big party. So I was just like, I just really want to get a fun outfit to wear for the day so that even if I'm home and, you know, the only people I can see is my family, like I'm feeling good, like I'm feeling fresh and good and thirty flirty and thriving or whatever yeah. the saying is. I hope you're 30 Anyway, so I put a call out to my followers to help me find an outfit and, oh, my gosh, I had an inbox of personal stylists and I will be doing that again. I came across brands I have never even heard of before. Supre? So <laughs> Supre was the main one. <laughs> extra, yeah, I'm, extra, wearing, extra I'm wearing a bandeau yeah, um, with a crop over the top Hopping. that says, Hopping. I go from angel to bitch in <laughs> 0.15 of a second. My kids would actually agree with that top, that that is what I do. No. And so I ended up going with a set, like a top and a skirt from SWF and a dress, a bit of a skimpy number from a brand in Burley called With Jean. 
and they both arrived in time. I bought two because I was worried that none of them were going to arrive in time because of OzPost issues, but they both arrived in time. They both fit, so it will be a double outfit day. Yes. So there's going to be a morning outfit and then a nighttime naughty outfit. Yes, there will be. And I asked Nick because Nick's, for those that don't know, my husband's really into cooking and he said, do you want me to bake you a cake for your birthday? So then I put out a poll for that as well. And it was either one of those retro, really like piping bag, love heart shaped with glazed cherry on top vibe or the Barbie dome dress situation. And most people said, why not both? And I said, I agree. Look, I've got two outfits. So I said to Nick, I said, do you think maybe you could bake me two cakes and they can each be in the colour scheme of each of my outfits? And he looked at me deadpan and he was like, you have to be fucking kidding me. (laughs) If you want two cakes, you need to get a new husband. So anyway, so we've gone with the decision of getting one. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, I'm hoping that soon he'll be making a trip to go get a brunette Barbie, but we'll keep you all posted. And, yeah, I've requested that there's a brunette Barbie cake in the colour scheme of my dress. So He could stick Lulu on top. Oh, yeah, if anyone doesn't know my... um, daughter has a really creepy doll that she mats the hair of we could we could, we could pop her or in. i could yeah. give you mine we've all got creepy dolls <laughs> yeah can i get trump doll off and get her in the middle so anyway that's definitely the high of my week i haven't really had a low of the week i've been moving house so that's always a pain when you've got kids no real family around to help you because you know the big c word but it's fine. Well, that's good. Tell us about your week now that I've rabbited on. Well, so you should, babe. You're turning 30. 30 and 30. I know, but we're going to get reviews like, I tuned in to hear about sex selection and all I heard was a privileged bitch talking about her birthday. <laughs> well, shut like. up. We're still talking about birthdays, so I'm going to continue. So this week my best friend turned 40 and I decided, I, obviously, we were going to do something fabulous and we couldn't. So I was trying to think of something personal and thoughtful of what I could do. So I decided to get 12 yellow roses because they were her mother's favourite and her mother wasn't here to celebrate. And I lined 12 of her best friends along the lighthouse walk that she does every day. And all the way along, she found a friend that would pop out with a rose and say happy birthday. By the end of it, she was literally in tears and I popped it on Instagram and half of the Instagram community were in tears as well along the way. But it was such a beautiful experience and I absolutely, I don't know, I just feel like sometimes, I know we're in the C word, but I feel like this ended up being so much more yeah. memorable than what we would have done because we I had to really think about it. And and I think it's such a nice idea because I think it is really hard being the friend of a person with a big milestone during this time because mm-hmm. you go like, you know, and I mean, I guess it depends what the person's like, but I think the main things that you can do to really help someone celebrate a birthday right now is help them in some way have epic food at their house or if we were going to be in lockdown, I asked one of my friends, I was like, oh, do you think you'd be able to organise a wine walk where, like, you know, people that are in my LGA, we can walk in twos, have a wine, you know, similar to what you did. And I think that can be even more memorable or even more special than what a normal birthday would be like. So I think that is a really nice idea to give people out there if they're really struggling to come up with an idea of making a loved one's birthday special. Yeah. I did have another um, plan, but it was illegal, so I had to can that one. But um, we also, on another high, I decided to just get a whole heap of fucking farm animals. So now we have cows. We've got a dog. I've got three kids. They aren't a part of the animals. I've got they a hundred percent are. <laughs> but got... you already had all of these. So what's new this okay, week? Okay, new this week is the three little ducks. I got three ducks, three black ducks. And I got five little chickens and we've got another five chickens coming today. So I've just got one question. Yeah, sure. Shoot. Why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> because I have a habit of loving and being very nurturing and then I realise, oh, shit, what am I going to do? Now nah, it's okay. They're, we've got pens, we've got space for them. I actually thought about, like, you know, long term and um, we've got a farm. I feel like let's feel yeah, it. Yeah, but do you ever get to the point where you're like, 
oh my gosh, there's just so many mouths to feed. Um, yeah, but I just feel like my husband's here, like his main priority and job is on the farm. So he can do that and I can And feed. does he? Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. Like that's why half the time like, you know, around 4 and 5 o'clock he's going around to everywhere filling up the troughs for the cows, doing this, doing that, feeding everything but the family. I just sometimes think of you because I'm like, oh, my God, it's 5 o'clock, shivers, I haven't even thought about what I'm going to give the kids, like, oh, my God, there's nothing in the fridge. Oh, but you and then I might like, think about it because they are literally got like pallets. It's quite easy. Yeah, okay, that's true. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, you don't have to actually, you know, create a recipe <laughs> for them. <laughs> You don't have to go on an inspo page and no, find no. like FODMAP friendly no. um, meal for them. It's real low key. All right, now, so we've kind of gone through our highs and lows. Do you have a mum hack or a root or fabulous for us this week? No, I've got a low. Oh, sorry. Yeah, how dare you skip it? I just want to say, because this is actually something that I'm seeing my psychologist today about, I went to, we've obviously been in lockdown and I know blah, blah, blah not as long as a lot of other people, but in perspective, about five weeks. And I went to a park to let the kids run around and we have literally been on this farm for the whole time. And I sat there and had an actual panic attack being Mm. surrounded by so many people because I have not been used to Mm. the noise and, Mm. and I do, I suffer from social anxiety at some point in my life when I was a teenager, but I had this flashback to it and I panicked. I totally panicked. And then I, I spoke to my mum. I was just like, I fully freaked out because I have not been around that many people in so long. I didn't know how to actually act and I didn't know. Um, it was very overwhelming. So I, I just, I guess I'm just saying it because I think that surely I'm not going to be the only one when we do all come out of lockdown that it's going to be quite a unfamiliar, weird, strange, like, yes, it's exciting that we will be, but also I think we're going to have a lot of emotions and feelings that we're not going to expect. So to possibly be mindful of that. And I didn't want to. I do remember after the first lockdown at the start of last year, so what was that, six weeks coming out and going to a 30th birthday. And it wasn't even a big thing. Like it was outdoors. It was very chilled. It was like at a distillery. And I remember thinking, I do not know how to socialise anymore. Like I was like, you know, I couldn't make small talk. And especially because people would be like, oh, what have you been up to? And everyone's response was like, oh, you know. (laughs) So it's not like you really have that much exciting to report. But, yeah, I would say like people, like, you know, especially people in Melbourne, Sydney who have been, you know, it's been for a long time. When things start to lift, go easy on yourself. Take it one step at a time. Catch up with close friends first, family, before you go to any kind of event or anything because it's scary, not just in terms of like, yeah, I just think that people, it's, it's hard to socialise and there's also, you know, there's going to be plenty of people with, you know, quite paranoid, you know, and maybe it's not even paranoid because it's justified, but really anxious feelings about their health in social situations. Yeah. And, the, re- yeah. the reason that I wanted to share my experience is because when I was a teenager, I had no idea that I was actually dealing with anxiety or a panic disorder. So when you don't mm. actually know, how, like, and then you have this panic attack, and this is going to be very common for a lot of people who normally don't suffer with this because it's such a surreal experience. If you do go out and you get this horrendous feeling like you're dying, like it's just more of a, an awareness to go, oh, my gosh, this is probably very, very normal and I need to probably, you know, yeah, slow it down. Take a step back. Yeah, 100% and then and look into it. So, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to like go down the rabbit hole, but I just think that it's important to talk about it and, yeah, hopefully. No, I never, I never apologise for talking about your mental health. I think now more than ever it's super important yeah. and it's fine. I reckon we should just finish off with we'll skip mum hacks for today because, you know, no one's got any, but we'll go straight <laughs> into Rudolph Fabulous and then we'll get into today's episode. 100%. Okay, so Rudolph Fabulous, I have one today. Sophie put out a little uh, people asking her what she was watching or something and she said she watched clickbait for what was it in 24 hours or 48 hours it's eight episodes and they're about an hour each and I somehow over the father's day weekend managed to watch the whole thing in about 36 hours I basically did you see Nick (laughs) 
I went into like an ulterior universe. I, I I set up my AirPods to my laptop and so I was like, I'll cook dinner, I'll do this, I'll do that. And I just had the laptop set up with my AirPods in. Mum hack. It is so addictive. Mum How hack. are you finding it? Um, it's good. I'm on episode four. I thought I sorted it all out and I did say she annoys me and when I say she, I mean Pia because she just runs around like a little maniac. But um, so Everyone's so irritated by her haircut. It's just a like blunt bob with a blunt fringe. Can everyone get over it? No, I can't get over it because it's such a striking, like it's such a statement. I feel like if you're going to be in a main role, it just needs to be not as like hey, look at my haircut rather than look look at my acting. I don't know. I can't get past the haircut. But um, then I uh, was starting to watch it and Billy goes, hey, Mum, are you watching Clitbait? <laughs> and I went, excuse me? And she said, Clitbait, are you watching Clitbait? And I... <laughs> was crying and like, no, that's what dad's been watching. I'm watching clickbait. Dad's been watching clickbait. (laughs) Anyway, I messaged Sophie and I said, just so you know, Billy thinks I'm watching clickbait and we all had a little giggle so I thought I'd share that. And I laughed because I remember we went to a cafe once and Poppy goes, mum, are you going to order a flap wipe? (laughs) I was like, oh, God, is that another name for toilet paper? (laughs) Like a flap wipe. I couldn't get past it. Anyway, they're so cute. Anyway. Let's talk about today's episode. (laughs) Yes, shoot. So today we talked to Kate and Joff, a beautiful couple who decided with their third child to go down the route of sex selection. We know this is a bit of a controversial topic. We think that Kate and Joff speak about it very Mm. eloquently, openly, honestly. We totally understand that people are going to have mixed opinions of this, but we ask that anyone that comments, please keep things respectful. Yeah, and we hope you enjoy. We found this to be a really, really interesting conversation. It definitely opened my eyes. I feel like before this episode, I'll be honest, I had pretty mixed feelings about the whole thing. I kind of didn't understand why or... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel like I ethically didn't know if I really agreed with it. But after speaking to them, I've, you know, been reminded once again that things aren't black and white. Like, you know, uh, families are complex mm. and people's wishes are complex. And yeah, but the way they put it was so simple. I don't know. How did you feel before and after the discussion? Well, before I was like, you know, I had my mind made up and listening, I forgot that, you know, every single family has a story. And when you start yeah. listening to someone's personal story, then you you sort of go, oh, well, I can understand how you did that. So for me, yeah. you know, stopping and reminding myself that, oh, well, it's not my, like the reason that I was so like, oh, no, was because that was me and my family. But for them, I can understand why they did that. And I, I've got to say, I absolutely loved having a uh, husband on and having a wife and husband talking together about Mm. such a personal experience. I Mm. thought it was an incredible episode and, yeah, we really hope you enjoy. Kate and Joff, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Now we're chatting about something a little bit controversial today, so we want to say thank you so much for being brave and speaking openly about gender or sex selection and we want to calm your nerves by saying when we put a question sticker out to our listeners, 99% of the responses were either what is that Mm. or how do you do it? So I think it's an area that lots of people want to know more about but are maybe scared to open up about the fact that they've even thought about it. So let's start off. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and your journey? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Kate and my husband Joff. We have two boys, Jonty and Remy, and they are 13 and 10. And last year we had our little girl Willa, who's now 19 months old. Wow. You just remembered. Yeah. No, how did it start for us, I guess, really? Uh, we travelled around Australia in 2018 and I remember getting back, uh, we got halfway around, probably three quarters of the way around, and my auntie was dying. So I came back early 
And she had two boys and I remember sitting next to her and sort of saying my goodbyes to her and thinking about her life. And I often compared my life to hers because I had the two boys and she had two grown adult boys and thinking about, you know, the opportunity or the experience that she missed out on on having a girl. And that was probably the turning point for me where I decided yeah, I definitely want to have another baby, but 10 years later, and I definitely want it to be a girl. So, And had she vocalised that she felt like in her life she had missed out on having, I guess, a mother-daughter relationship or was it more just something that you observed maybe for yourself? No, for sure. We'd had the conversations and I often said, oh, yeah, I know it's a bit sad that we miss out on having a girl. And she said that, you know, when she had her granddaughters, that that made up for that relationship. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely a moment for me where it was a bit of an eye opener. And plus, I'm very close to my mum. And during that time, you know, that bond got stronger. And I just thought, it would be so special to have that bond with a daughter of my own. And was there any part of you that was like, oh, let's just wing it, like 50% <laughs> chance we'll get a girl anyway? Or were you like, nah, the next one needs no. to be a girl? You didn't want to have the chance of having that extra third boy, did you? Yeah. No, I didn't. Um, Joff's sister has three boys and they're beautiful boys, but I just, the thought of having a third boy was so overwhelming. A little bit of a backstory is our middle son, Remy, has autism. And that's probably why we felt like we were finished when we were (laughs) semi-finished. So there was a few years of early intervention with him and putting the supports in place for him. And we couldn't really fathom the idea of having another baby. And we were really content with our two boys and we were living busy lives. And the idea of having another baby just hadn't entered our thoughts at the time. It certainly hadn't entered mine, no. Yeah, we, we, we went on the trip more as a, a bit of a, a discovery thing for us as a family too, wasn't it? I mean, our concept of parenting had changed so much in the nine years or eight years that, that, that we'd had Remy purely just because the way he sees the world is different and, mm. you know, parenting, the parenting skills that we'd had or we thought we knew didn't relate to him. And, you know, we, we had to learn how to parent again too, didn't we? And, and I think it was... It was hard, it was challenging, and part of that journey of going around the country was to get him the ability to be more independent, um, a little bit more free learning. He was he was struggling being stuck in a classroom all day, every day, trying to control his emotions when he knew what he knew he was having trouble controlling those emotions and it was exacerbating. So Can I ask what age you found out that he had autism? So he was Three turning four in preschool, yeah. So one of the preschool teachers came up to us and said that she suggested we go and see a paediatrician. So it came as a big shock, actually, because we just thought that he was a naughty little boy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because he's he's high-functioning and he was super intelligent. I think we first went to the local GP and he said, listen, boys develop later. He's just just a boy. I know it's it's a, a saying that a lot of people don't like, but... He's just a boy being a boy, you know, and he'll 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 learn to adjust and, and boys, yeah, they take longer to develop. So just see how it goes. So we, we probably uh, it was probably, yeah, a little bit later than we than I guess we should have. Which is really hard for parents of boys because I hear that a lot with my friends who have boys and that's what they get told. Oh, he's just acting out because boys take a little bit longer to develop or they take longer to learn, you know, they're, they're more physical. Mm-hmm. But when you actually found out his diagnosis, did that change the way that you parented? Did it make things a little bit easier that you understood that there was actually a, I'm not going to say a problem, but there was a reason why he was the way he was. Yes, sure, definitely. definitely. We had to reevaluate our whole parenting structure and even with our eldest son, Jonty, and come from, you know, a more understanding perspective because they were really active boys and Mm. they're big because we're tall. So they'd go to the park and they'd be unintentionally knocking kids over or, Mm. you know, grabbing things, which is typically normal for children, but because of their size as well, it it made it look so much worse. Mm. So we had to really change our approach with them and stop treating it as if they were doing something wrong, but try and, uh, you know, really emphasise the good points and the good behaviour and 
Yeah, and and I think just on that, you 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 naturally get a little bit defensive in those situations. You know, you see your child doing the same thing every other kid's doing, but because they are so much bigger or or whatever it might mm. be, your know, parents automatically get um, you know defensive or want to protect their child, and, and then you and yourself start to feel a little bit more pressure. You know, oh my god, yeah, like. And, and so I think the way we had to learn how to approach all those sort of situations and, and particularly with Remy, how to approach, you know, uh, his, his interaction with other people and he's quite blunt and he's quite straightforward and that was something that we're still working on that you have to teach that just that's the way he sees it. If he wants that, he wants that. But he's he's now had to learn to, to oh, sort of also adjust all the social skills to adjust. So, yeah, it did. It really meant that we had to change just, yeah, what had worked for four years prior is, was completely different again and, and continues to be different. And when did you get to the conversation of having, I guess, wanting another child and then the gender selection conversation? When did this happen? So, yeah, when when we got back from the trip and my auntie had passed away, I remember approaching Joff in our shop of all places and I said, I think that I want to have a baby. And he was completely taken back. I was. He was not <laughs> on board. <laughs> and he was sort of a bit confused because the whole way along we'd been saying, if anyone ever asked us, we were like, no, we are definitely done. Two is enough. <laughs> we had also had our kids young. I think I had Jonty at 23. So there was this whole concept that by the time we were in our early 40s, the boys would be older and we would be able to have a bit of our lives back. So there was that, and I think that was your biggest um, adjustment. Like we're nearly in the clear. What are you talking about? We were. And and I think, yeah, having just had done this amazing trip and, and I kind of, I guess, thought that we would, buckling back down again in the business to, to approach, you know, what the next five years of business and, and, and family and things. And so you sort of map that out in your head and surprise. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> and then what happened? So how did you get him on board? Well, he took a little while to come around. And even when he agreed to the process, he was still making comments every now and then like, oh, I don't want to do this. And so it was a constant juggle between us saying, are you sure you're in? Like, are you in? Because I don't yeah. want to be doing this if you're not 100% on board. But he actually came back to me a few days after I brought the topic up with him and he said to me that he would hate for me to have any regrets and to feel like in 10 years' time when it was too late that I'd missed out on this opportunity and that, yeah, that he'd support me and even though he wasn't completely on board with it at the time, yeah, that he wanted to support my... A few my, days, that's not too bad. Yeah, I, I even We'll probably, let you off the hook for that. You're to be honest, a few I don't think I don't think my husband's still okay with the third child that we had, so... <laughs> She's nearly two and a half. She's nearly two and a half. Oh, I'm I'm exactly like that, and I, and I'm not going to lie. I think I, I I went into parenting 13 years ago with rose-coloured glasses on, and as we all um, do, we, we, yeah, and we we live an amazing life, but it, it, it was still hard. It is hard, and I think my initial take on that was probably a selfish one. You know, like we were, get, we were almost there. We, we, we will have our lives back. We can do all those adventures that we talked about. But then at the same time, I think I always wanted four kids. Mm. And having had the two, mm. I just went, this is too hard. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm still, yeah, still not, not, not coping. But, you know, it's, 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 a constant adjustment. Thank you for admitting that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, yeah, I'll be completely honest about it. I, I would love to say I'm the best parent in the world. I'm sure I have my moments, <laughs> and, um, and I think that's where I was. That we were in the clear. And um, but then, my but then husband I saw... and I, we always base it off what kind of day we've had. Like before we had kids, we were having four kids. When you know our first was really young, we're having four kids. Yeah, we're going to have this big, big family. And now that we have two, like we definitely you know, all going well, want to have another child. But we have these days where we look at one another and we're just like, I'm having a two-kid day. Like we are done, which we know we're not, but I'm just like I don't think four is a possibility for us anymore. But that's what happens. I think circumstances change. We work for ourselves. You start to play, and I know this might sound a bit 
Um, but you start to add up the number. Okay, well, we've got four kids. How do we manage that if we had four? You know, how do we do the daycare? How do we, are we going to send them for schooling? What's that going to cost? And so all that, that becomes the yeah. the variance that you don't want to say should make a, a, a force a decision or, or but, but they do. I mean, we, we've got to be honest. The, the reality of having children means mm. that there are, it's going to affect other people. Changes. And I just think she probably picked the right time for us business-wise and and, and uh, the boys are a bit bigger now and Remy had adjusted. So it, in terms of if you had to join the dots, mm. it, it ticked all the perfect boxes. It was just me being maybe a little bit selfish at first or... Oh, it just sprung on. We just sprung no, on. I, I feel oh, you. I think you're allowed to be selfish, oh, totally. though. It's bringing a whole other human in. I don't think that that's selfish. I think it's like when people say that they had one child and then they stopped because they had no urge to have any more, and I feel like they're made out to be selfish because, like, they didn't give their child a sibling or whatever. But I don't think that's true. I think if... You only want one and that's the way that you want a parent and that's what's best for your family that I don't actually say. I think it's either not selfish or you're allowed to be selfish. Yeah, totally. In our experience, we had we have three daughters and I, after the second child, they were 16 months apart, I had this massive urge to want a third child. And my husband, we were just getting out of the thick of having, you know, young babies and he thought, great, I can get back into like my creative writing because I've had kids young, I can get on track and go to uni. And I came to him and said, I have this urge that I I really feel that I like I want us to have another child. And he, I'll tell you what, he wasn't on board for probably, he ended up saying, yeah, let's, all right, if this is what you want, but I'm, I'm really not happy about it. And we, we did do it. And he still to this day hasn't had that. And this comes back to the selfishness that you feel because you want to do something in particular for yourself, because we do selflessly take all this time with our children to mm. raise them and go on holidays with them and he still hasn't had that selfish time. But then someone asked me the other day, it was yesterday actually on a walk, if a sperm slipped through his vasectomy little snip in like <laughs> 10 years, would you have the child? And I said, well, mentally I feel like I would be in a place that I don't have children anymore and I would have got out what I needed. Well, you do still have your children. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck. Wow, Jade. Okay. Like, She's offloaded I, them I all. I get what you're saying, yes. Babies, no, no, totally. babies. And I think that I would be in a – he would be in a better headspace. I would be in a better headspace. We would have had that selfish break and I absolutely mm. would be open to that opportunity. So I can understand that the age gap and I just – I fully understand where you're coming from in all different areas. But that's where I think also made it easier for me to come around because of that. Okay, so if we just do the maths, you know, John to be 12 when we have her, he'll be 18 by the time she's six. So mm-hmm. it was it was kind of where I was, I, I, yeah, I, I was being a little bit, oh, my God, are we doing this again, to the fact that, okay, well, we are only now doing one young baby, mm. you know, we are going to have help now. The boys are so much bigger. We'll have that extra help. Um, so then, yeah, we, I started to ask those questions. And I think what ultimately came back to me was you just know with your partner, right? Well, I, I, I did with Kate. and I mean, we all wish things sometimes in our relationships and things like that, but, th- but just sometimes there's this bond or connection or, or, or request or whatever. And I just knew I couldn't say no, even if I wanted mm. to. But I didn't want to in the end because it's well trained. No, it just felt right. It just felt right. <laughs> no, I get what you mean. There's yeah. there's some things that you can compromise on, and then totally. there's other things that you just go, "This is something that I need to do because we're in a partnership and you love each other." Totally. And in hindsight, best decision we ever made. So, can we talk about this decision? So, what happens next? Okay, so we contacted. There's a company in Melbourne called. Gender Selection, Australia. Gender Selection Australia, and they work with a company in America, in LA, called HRC. So you, your first point of contact is the Melbourne-based clinic, and they set up a phone call where they'll run through questions with you, and they'll send you out some, you know, a pamphlet with all the information on it, costing the process. And then once you've had time to go through that, then they will connect you with the LA clinic. And the process starts. And the process starts. Okay, so how, like, what's in the pamphlet? 
So it's like a frequently asked questions. It's very basic. <laughs> yeah, it is. The costing breakdown, it is. It's yeah. a very clinical pamphlet, wasn't it? It's not a. Yeah, well, it's an IVF based. Yeah. And so what are, what's the costs like? Expensive, <laughs> very expensive. I think it worked out to be. 25,000 Australian dollars yeah. and that's not including your flight your accommodation Disneyland <laughs> yeah yeah because that's a big deal because there's a difference between I think going were your first two conceived spontaneously yes they were. and with yeah so I think there's a big difference between like okay like let's just go for a third and if it happens it happens mm. with being like okay you're not 100% sure if you want a third but let's spend like upwards of 30 grand to have one. For sure. And it's not 100%. Like you, what? you, yeah. you can no. walk away and not have a baby and it happened to a girlfriend of mine. Yeah. So it's, no. It's, it yeah. is a risk, yeah. And, and I think that, I mean, you've got to be committed. You don't just turn up and say, oh, I think I might want to have a baby. Let's spend 30 grand and we're going to get one. You don't. I mean, that's there is that possibility that the journey may not, be result. successful for you and, and, and I don't think that they made that very clear in the lead up to it and I think that we were quite naive in going into it thinking yeah. oh we're going to come back and we're going to be pregnant with our daughter so once we got to America it was sort of outlined then all the hurdles that we had to jump over before there could be a successful transfer and even if you do have a successful transfer at that stage it may not take and you mm. may not be pregnant by yeah. the time you get back to Australia so that, yeah I think once we got there it was a bit of a shock and that was when reality hit where we went oh my god we've spent all this money and it might not be it wow. might just be flushed down the toilet yeah. And so how long between like that initial consult and you guys like landing in LA? Is that a lot? Mm. Like do you have to do like counselling and that kind of thing? No, not or Not really? No, not counselling. Lots of tests, so lots of blood tests, lots of x-rays. You have a sonic histogram and you yeah, it's six, it. yeah it's a six month process. They like to say three mm-hmm. to six months, but from the time that we contacted the Australian clinic it was seven months to the day that we got to LA yeah and then how long do they say okay book accommodation in LA for how long yeah so two weeks they say that you're over there for so that allows for you to have your ultrasound once you get there and then you do a trigger shot you have your eggs um, retrieved and then it takes the five days for the embryos to develop and then they do the transfer and I think then they ask you to stay for two extra days. And how were you feeling physically and emotionally? Uh, It was having had two babies spontaneously and not needing any help, it was a huge adjustment because all of a sudden I was injecting hormones into me and I think that you can talk on behalf of that. It sent me crazy. (laughs) It wasn't a vacation in LA. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in, in in the nicest way, a lot of the vacation was done. So I mean, the boys spent a lot of time doing things. And Kate participated mm. in a lot of things, but there were days, a couple of days, where you had to have bed rest. A couple of days we had to do things, and so she would just be dropped off to the hospital, and me and the boys would go do things. It, it, was, it was quite surreal in terms of yeah. Oh, I, I, how do I? We had an amazing holiday, but also a very disjointed, quite confusing holiday at the same time. And, and Kate's going through this emotional experience, and I was semi-detached. And you're trying to explain to the boys what's happening, and they kind of get it, they understand because they would go, you know, we drop off to the hospital and we'd go off and do things. But yeah, it was. And how was her hormones, Joff? <laughs> Be honest. Different. Kate and I are <laughs> quite big personalities anyway, so it just made Nothing the bigger needs personalities. To be yeah, yeah, bigger. And so, how do you explain that to the boys, though? Like, what have you told them? And do they ever feel like, oh, we forced you to like wanted girl? So we have a really open relationship and conversation with our kids, and always have. I think our 
two, three-year-old Remy came to us and asked us what sex was. And, you know, Mm. we've never, ever shied away from the fact and we've always said to them, if you have any questions, we Mm. want you to come to us rather than try and ask your friends because you'll get an honest and the right answer from us. So there was never any hiding it from them. And I actually asked them this question last night in preparation for today Mm. because I thought, oh, I wonder, actually, I've never had the conversation with you and thought. Well, as as they've been older to sort of digest. Having we, we you had that conversation with them early, yeah, but never never asked directly. Do you feel like you are impacted in a negative way by mm. me and Dad choosing to have a girl? And they both said no, no way. They understood completely why we wanted to have a girl, and they both said, "Well, you've had two boys and two perfect boys." One of them said. Yeah. <laughs> so I can understand why you would have wanted to go and have a girl, or not in those words, but yeah, I can understand yeah. the experience of having a girl. And were you open with your friends and family why you were going over to LA? Yeah, yeah. So everybody knew. And everyone was really on board. So my family all had children quite young. So there was a big gap, you know, between the grandchildren. So I think that everyone was super excited that there was going to be another baby Mm. in the family. Definitely. And is it all what it's cracked up to be, to have two different genders? Because Jade, Joff, you might not know, but Jade's got three girls and I've got two girls, so we don't know what it's like <laughs> to have different <laughs> sex children. And if I'm honest right now, like there was a part in my head when I was pregnant with the third child that it could potentially and possibly be a boy and have a son. That was definitely in my head and I only realised when I found out that it was a girl that I actually had gender disappointment and I cried about it and I didn't know that I had that but then I had this guilt that I haven't given my husband a son or my my dad a, a grandson and it definitely played on my mind a lot. And I like it, it's just an honest thought that I had. I couldn't control it. It's just exactly how I thought. Yeah. Do you think, Jade, if this was an option in Australia, because correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but it's not legal to do in Australia no. unless it's for medical, medical reasons. Yeah. Jade, if this was an option in Australia, do you think it's something that you would have considered? Um, look, Financially, probably not because I don't think we are. It it comes down to finance. But even if I had all the money in the world, would I do it? If you had have asked me before I had the third child, I might have said yes, absolutely. But I feel like I'm just so like this now is we are parents of daughters. That's who we are. And I feel like now that I have got my head around everything and I can see my children in front of me, I'm very content with what we have. But absolutely, like if we fell pregnant, there is in the back of our head, no doubt about it. What if it was a boy? It'll, it'll always be there. Mm. I experienced that same gender disappointment, Jade, when I had Remy, I felt both sick and I had hyperemesis with him. And <laughs> and when we went, I actually booked into an early detection uh, ultrasound with Remy because I was so desperate to find out if it was a girl. And I remember the guy telling us it was another boy and I held back the tears. And then we got in the car and Joss fist pumping, yes, another boy, I'm so happy. And I just burst <laughs> into tears. I was so upset. Set and I just he yeah. looked at me in shock because he didn't realize how I had my heart set on having a girl and he was like what's wrong yeah I feel <laughs> yeah you. I felt that yeah it didn't last for a long time I think that once the idea of you know having mm. the boys and having brothers and and then you know you pick the names and you know you do all that stuff you do tend to get over it quite quickly. See, I'm wondering if it's better for someone that has a hope of a a specific gender to find out through the pregnancy so they can actually get their head around it rather than waiting to see the child in the hope that it may be a certain gender and then have that. Yeah, people go each way, hey. Yeah, like how that would be having that child and then going through that head motion and process with the actual child. I don't know which way it would like be more beneficial mentally for me i'm a planner 
and this and and I, I don't don't cope very well with surprises. Mm. And I think like anything, us finding out the gender of Remy, it gives you that opportunity to, to plan. Okay, so what what's going to happen? But I, like Kate said a minute ago, when she got in the car and she was disappointed, and I was already fist pumping. I think you you automatically have. I don't know the fantasy is the wrong word, but you, you have an idea or a concept. You start, okay, I've got two boys now. That's half a basketball team or it's uh, – and you just do that naturally. Okay, that's – you know, we're going to need a bigger car and we've got to do this. And Can we get a boat one day? Do you reckon we'd ever get a boat? Or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. You just go through this journey of, of – so I think, yeah, uh, uh, for me, the, the Kate going all the way through the pregnancy – I think I would have struggled mentally not knowing what, mm-hmm. what direction we were going in. But at the same time, I think it's also an amazing surprise. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you feel like this process puts too much emphasis on gender? I mean, like, you know, in today's day and age, it's, I guess, more known than ever that gender doesn't, you know, mean, you know, it's not the be all and end all. Girls can do whatever they want. Boys can do whatever they want. Some people have gender dysphoria and whatever path that leads to. Do you feel like this process, like, puts too much pressure on, like, what a daughter means to have or what it means to be a girl? I guess for me, you have predetermined expectations of your children no matter what gender they are. Yeah. And that's from the moment you fall pregnant. So, you know, people say to me, oh, well, what if she doesn't want to wear dresses? Like the whole process isn't hasn't been about wanting a girl, to, you know, so that she can wear so the dress. So you could buy a or, skirt. Yeah. yeah, or she can do the ballet lessons. It's about the experience of having a daughter and whether that changes, which it does anyway, because like we were talking before with Remy and him, you know, having the diagnosis of autism, that wasn't in the plans either. No. But you adjust to, you know, the different changes along the way. And I think that's part and parcel with your children teaching you constantly. So you're learning to adapt and change your perspective of parenting along the way. So for me, if she doesn't want to wear dresses or if she's a tomboy or whoever she wants to be, I'm cool with that. We Mm. come from a very open family. Mm. We've got a really open, non-judgmental group of friends. So she can do and be whatever she wants to be. And having the two of them, sorry, the three of them, but the two genders, can you see as a mother now with both, can you see the difference in the relationship you have with your sons versus what you have with your daughter? No, not yet, but I can see the difference between the genders. She is a completely different baby to what the boys were, but the way I parent them and mother them, I guess it is a little bit different Mm. because she's a baby and the boys, you know, but a teenager and a tween at home. Mm. So there is going to be that difference there that I'm parenting her the way I parented boys when they were babies. I see a difference totally. There is just a a total difference. I know that's it, it might be... I'm a little bit older. It might be, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I see a, a difference in the way they interact with, or they, they interacted with me and, and the way Willow interacts with me now. I see a, a big difference. Now that might not be gender. It could be, it could be an age thing. It could be, it could be a, a multitude of things. But for me, it's, 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 she's softer, gentler. She softened me up mm. a little bit, I think. So I, mm. I don't want to say that that's gender that's done that, but by all means, I, I definitely see a difference in, in the two genders. You feel that, that a difference in the relationship. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And so, sorry, take us back to LA. So you had the hormones over there and you have, and then, so like how many embryos did you get or oh, what's okay. the? So we, we actually start the hormones in Australia, so 20 days prior to leaving. And then once you get there, we had the ultrasound which told us that I was at risk of OHSS which is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome something like that and so I had to stop the medication and then they give you a date for your trigger shot and once you do that then you go in for your egg retrieval so we went in for the egg retrieval and they took 
12 eggs. Wow. So this is one of the hurdles that we were talking about, that if I had have gone into the hyperstimulation, I wouldn't have been able to do a fresh transfer, which meant I mm. would have had to fly home and then come back on my next cycle and have mm. the frozen embryo transplanted. And so, yeah, they ended up putting me on this really weird diet, which I don't think I... <laughs> they would would have done over here but it's high salt high protein lots of rest lots of hydrolytes and it all ended up being okay but after they took the 12 eggs I think they injected them and there was eight or nine that fertilized gosh that's great yeah it was good it was really good but then you sort of as each step goes you half the amount of embryos as as each step comes so by the time day five came I think there was three oh my gosh and they might have been all boys and they could have been all boys yeah so there's Oh, yeah, I get you now why they can't promise yeah. that it can be. Mm. <laughs> Jade's here. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, Jade. Halfway through the episode. But then of that one. So, so, yeah, so then one and then they do the testing. So, you know, the NIPT test that they do here now it, when you're 10 or 11 weeks. Yeah, the blood test. It's a similar test to that where they take, the it's called pgd testing and they take the cells and they test them for the chromosome abnormalities and so you then might out of your eggs might not have a healthy embryo to transfer so out of the three we had one that wasn't able to be transferred and then we had two female embryos but that we we didn't know that we didn't know that and that was a horrible process because they said that they would call us on the Saturday and let us know and they never called and then that we had to be at the hospital at 9am on the Sunday. So we didn't actually know if we oh, even wow. had any embryos three days prior to leaving. And you're sitting there with other couples. There are other couples in this waiting room all waiting for the same sort of thing and what did you ask me? What was the question you asked me? Um, Oh, okay. So I said to you, I said, if we have three embryos, how many do you want to transfer? Because there's a the possibility that they might not take. So he said, okay, if we have three, we will put one in. If we have two, we'll put both in. And if we get yeah, one, one, we'll put the one in. <laughs> so you're waiting in the waiting room and then the receptionist calls one person up and she goes into a room and then she called another lady up and gave her a wristband and then I turned to Joff and I said, I think if you get a wristband, that means you're the winner. (laughs) But is this just a general IVF clinic or is this purely for sex selection? They do both. But the the people that were in there were for gender selection. Okay. Because they had their kids there too. So there was one couple with two boys and another couple with two girls. So it was obvious that they were there for gender selection. I was just wondering how they mix a room of potentially people that have are trying to conceive to people that are, you know, selecting gender, how that would go down in a waiting room. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. A lot of animosity, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. It's a, that's, a t- that's a touchy subject in itself, I think. Um, yeah. So you went in. So, yeah, so then we were the last and they gave us a wristband and so uh, we were sort of still not sure but we assumed because we had the wristband that we were going to have a procedure. <laughs> so we went into the room and we sat down and the doctor bursts in and says, yep, so you've got two healthy embryos. How many do you want to put in? Uh, both girls. Oh, yeah, sorry, both girls. And I looked at him. And did and you I put said, the two in? <laughs> I said, you said you wanted to. And he said, I freaked out. I, I got really scared. I went, just, just one. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor said, look, they are very good, high-quality embryos. One is slightly better than the other. So I would suggest if you don't want twins, just put the one in. Yeah. So that's what we did. And do they freeze yeah. your other one? They're frozen the other one, yeah. So what's the deal? Oh, that's the, the next big. Oh, You've got a baby know. out there, guys. Oh, we do. No, we and do. every time we look at Willow, we think, oh, that's it's another you. <laughs> definitely. So hard. But I just, I don't think I could have another pregnancy. I'm 37 and I just think 
it was a really hard pregnancy compared to the boys. Remy was hard in his own sense because of the hyperemesis, but just, you know, being a lot older to when I had the boys, it took its toll on my body Mm. and I just don't know if I could have another baby. Can I ask, if you had have gone through that whole process and you had one embryo at the end and it it was was a boy, would you have said no? And I'm not going to judge you, but I'm just like going on that roller coaster. And I know the reason you were there was to have a girl, but especially because I didn't tell you until you're literally sitting mm-hmm. there, like yeah. ready to have it. Literally like, like what this, would you have yeah. said? 100%. I, I know the answer. Uh, yeah, I don't think we would have said no. No way. No. Wait, you I wouldn't think. have said no, or you would have said no? Oh, I wouldn't have. We would have. No, we wouldn't have said no. We would have taken yeah, the baby. We would have taken the baby. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're pro-choice, but I wouldn't say no to a healthy baby boy. Yeah. I just would have assumed that that's what, you know, life has planned out for us and yeah. that it was meant to be. And you would have been like, we could have just had sex at home. That was a really <laughs> well, that's expensive a, that's, that's way another, about having another a, son. That's another whole other story. We actually, when I had, when and had was having the testing done in Australia, we had the sono, I think it's called the, the sono histogram, where they fill your uterus up with liquid and, and check that everything's working properly. And the lady said to me, you've actually got one big follicle ready to go that you have sex tonight, you've got a 50-50 chance of um, having a boy or a girl, you'll fall pregnant. <laughs> and I came home and told Joff and he goes, no, we're not taking <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm sleeping in the spare room tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Get off me. And so obviously that one took and that's Willa. And so yeah. if you had have come home and had a miscarriage, you would have had to just fly back the next month yeah, or next whenever month. I guess you were yeah, ready. Mm, mm. Yeah, so I knew, I think they said wait and do the pregnancy test, but I knew within a week of being home because my boobs was I woke up one day, they were doubled in size, so sore, and I thought, oh, here we go, we're on. <laughs> yeah. And do they still do the NIPT test, like, no. to make sure? No. No, Because no. that's, I guess, more accurate than yeah. the NIPT yeah. test. Yeah. And do you feel as a whole now that as a family you are completely content? Totally. She has completely changed the whole dynamic of our family and in a really positive way mm. Remy our middle I keep referring back to him but he just tells these funny stories all the time but when we were trying you know going ahead with the process he was so anti having a baby and he would say to us I don't know why you want to have another ch- child we've already got one too many children in this family meaning his brother spoken like every sibling right <laughs> yeah exactly so he was very anti and I asked him last night, I said, are you happy that we had Willa? And he said, I love her so much. I love her more than my brother and I'm so happy that we have had this baby. And I think because they're older as well, it's a completely different experience for them if yeah. we would have the, yeah. her when the boys were a lot younger. I feel like they've got their bond and they have each other and, now they get, they get to experience that with a baby or a toddler. And do you think that this is something that should be legal in Australia? I, I think so. I do. I, um, I mean, but of course I'm, I'm for it. I'm, I'm positively for it. I, I think I haven't had to think about it for so long and Kate asked me a few questions last night and I think I understand both sides of people's, I guess, hesitation in allowing it mm. from many different points of view, you know, that you're potentially... I don't want to say playing God, but feeling with nature or, or you, you have people out there don't have that opportunity to do any of that. So I, I think, yes, I, I do. I, I think the te- if the technology is available and people are seeking to go overseas to do it, why not offer it here and have it in a controlled and safe mm. environment? I think that there was something like two and a half thousand families that go through the Australian clinic to the US to have this done. So another point that I also wanted to add to it is that I wouldn't be 100% on board for gender selection if it was your first baby. Yeah, I was about to ask that. I was thinking that too. I was like for some reason with the first baby I just, or the second one even. I don't know. I know, it's, but then where do you draw the line? So I like yeah. to refer to it as 
family balance. The other, the other question that I have is like, because I was thinking about it today, if we had gender selection as, you know, that it was accessible and it was cheaper, wouldn't like we'd have just one girl, one boy families, we wouldn't have extra children, there wouldn't be, you know, different dynamics and things but like that. But you would still because like, I'm someone who I I could not care less what what gender sex mm. my next child is. So I personally wouldn't go down the, even if it was available in Australia. I wouldn't go through having to do IVF yeah. if I didn't need to. It's like I think that I think that maybe sometimes when it's talked about, it is kind of seen that oh, all of a sudden everyone's going to do it. But I mm. I don't actually think that's the case. No, and I can see in other countries, you know, you how it would be illegal with China or mm. in India, you know, you've got the dowry system, the China and the one child policy where, you know, you've got people there actually terminating when they find out if they have a specific gender. I so, can't even believe that. Yeah, so there is that point and I can see why in those countries it, it, it shouldn't be allowed. But I think for Australia there's not going to be a push for girls or a push for boys and there's not going to be mm. that unbalance of gender in society. And if it comes down to family balancing and you've got, you know, two or three or four of one sex in your family, then why not offer that that family the opportunity to have a baby of their choice? They're bringing it into a loving family and a family that want them. You know, having a baby isn't licensed, so anyone can have a baby. So if this family specifically wants a gender, you know, a specific gender, then why not? I think that, yeah. It definitely should be available. And I feel like whenever this conversation comes up, the next thing that someone says is, well, what's next? Like picking your baby's eye colour, picking your baby's style of hair. Like Can what you do, do you have to? No. Well, I, I think there's well, isn't there. The technology isn't there to, to do yeah. select but it will eye colour. One day will one be. One day, but not not at the moment. So I think we just need to tackle one. How do they pull that out of your genetics, though? Mm. I mean, look, I'm not a scientist. That's gonna. I can't even really <laughs> process the thought, let alone how that would actually happen. I feel like I learned about that one day long back, but that was two children ago, and I've had a lot. I've hadn't had a lot of sleep since, so I can't remember how <laughs> they do it. But I know that they can, like, research wise. I'm pretty sure, like, it's it's not legal to do it with families, but I'm pretty sure they have in like research labs been able to do that with embryos. And I don't doubt that. And I think that's, that there's always going to be a moral or ethical discussion around these sort of things. And I think it gets, it comes back to, for me, well, I think Kate said before, someone said, well, what's next? I, I, I don't know what's next, but I think family balance can be important and should be important, should be something that can be, be considered. I think if people object, I get their reasons for objections for something like this, depending on what their, I guess, choice on, I'm trying to word this politically correctly. I don't want to say you know, the whole God factor or nature's process or anything like that. But what about the people who can't have a baby at all and have to go down this process? Is that not the first evolution of where this all started mm. in, in, in terms of that we are fiddling with nature and God or whatever you want to call it? And then the next step, say a, a single female or, or, or a gay couple uh, want to choose their donor. So they choose their donor because of whatever choice it is that they want the, the, the genetic makeup okay. of their, their the child right. to be. Yeah. That's still a I get what you're trying to say because you're not trying uh, to offend anyone by saying that no one, like, you know, you're saying that single mothers, same-sex couples, they deserve the right to have children. Totally. But that is already, we're, like, we're already interfering for that to happen. And, yes. we look, we had people write in saying, what does this couple have to say when people say you're playing God? And as you say, well, you could also look as contraception as you're playing God. You can look totally. at IVF as totally. you're playing God. So I guess we're already interfering yeah if you're picking a donor and going in there and okay well what where did they study what did they do in the hope that you get the best possible child that you could you could yeah. want for yourself or for your family that in itself is is yeah is what we've just done um we just said well we've chosen was our own and I don't think, you know, wanting a specific gender is necessarily a new thing either. You know, it's been going on since 
forever you know kings wanting boys and it's just now that there is that definite 100% method that you can choose to have a certain sex that it opens up I just I love that we can have this open conversation and I just the only thing about humanity is that I hope that they you know, whatever story someone has for the reason that they choose gender selection or do IVF or whatever they choose, as long as we can appreciate that that is their story and this is your story Definitely. and it's like that that's it. We've listened, we've understood, people may agree or they may disagree, but at the end of the day, this is your journey and I am so grateful that you've had the courage to actually come on here and express this story because there is a lot of people out there that would be feeling the same. So thank you, guys. I mean, there's people out there who feel like they can't even admit that they've had gender disappointment because they feel like that's Mm. synonymous with not Mm. wanting their child, which is just not the case. And I hope that you never thought that, you know, when I asked how your sons feel about it, I don't for a second doubt that you regret your sons or wish that they were daughters or anything like that it's 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 Mm. it's a different situation yeah it's it's the and and that's it it's the experience of having both but I just feel that as women that we have you know we're entitled to our reproductive rights and you know we get to choose whether we want to have children we get to choose how many children we want and you know if we are pregnant and there's a medical condition we get to choose if we want to terminate so I just think that if we aren't imposing on anyone's rights and we're not infringing or imposing on anyone's rights by choosing to do gender selection and we've brought our baby girl into you know our lives and she's loved and she's in a great home and yeah we're we're all happy absolutely well my favorite question that someone sent in was I'm curious to hear about this but you do you and I (laughs) completely agree it's really got nothing to do with anyone else yeah for sure we have so many friends that have asked me to forward on the information as well you know we're the success story but Like I said at the start, there are people out there that haven't had the same success, so we don't um, turn a blind eye to that either. We're very grateful that we have had this success. Well, Kate and Joff, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having having us. so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.